see the title of the message there on your screen. Uh, it may seem to you that we're shifting gears a little bit today, and we are shifting from the emphasis that we've been on for the past weeks of uh, becoming a church after God's own heart, but shifting only because we're talking about a different person. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Saul, uh, Saul of Tarsus. We started talking about Saul and David, different Saul, uh, and we saw how David was a man after God's own heart. Incidentally, we're going to enter into a 40-day uh, devotional journey. It will begin on February the 24th. The books will be available as of Wednesday of this week. Uh, you can come by the church and pick them up, or you can get one next Sunday in any of the morning services or the Sunday night service. Uh, you'll start reading on the 24th of this month and read one devotion a day until Easter Sunday, so 40 days from February the 24th until Easter. Uh, for us to, uh, and the title of it is, When a Person After God's Own Heart Becomes Something Less, uh, David's Journey from Ruin to Restoration. And of course it happened to David, it also happens to us. But today we're going to look at an experience that, that Saul of Tarsus had with the Lord. In fact, it's an experience that everyone needs to have with the Lord, a Damascus Road experience. And so if you were to have a Damascus Road experience, what would it look like? It was important enough, this event, this experience that happened to Saul, later he became Paul, that he tells about it time and again. Every time he has the opportunity, he tells the testimony of what happened. So we're going to begin by looking at Acts chapter 26. I'm going to begin reading in verse 9 and read down a few verses to let you see uh, how he shares it from his perspective, what he was doing, what his intent was, where his mind and heart was before that event, and where his mind and heart became after that event. Beginning to read in verse 9. So then, I thought to myself, he says, that I had to do many things hostile to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that's just what I did in Jerusalem. Not only did I lock up many of the saints in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, but also when they were being put to death, I cast my vote against them. And as I punished them often in all the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. Being furiously enraged at them, I kept pursuing them to foreign cities. He had Christian derangement syndrome. He hated Christians. He wanted them gone. So he said, while so engaged, as I was journeying to Damascus with the, king, with the authority and commission of the chief priest, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me and those who were journeying with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. We, we've just read the story of a man who in many ways was like most of us. He, he was religious. In fact, he was religious most of his life. He, he felt an obligation uh, to be 
in the synagogue. He even felt an obligation to defend his faith. But he was not, I think you'd have to say, at this point in his life, a person after God's heart because he was lost. Though he believed in God, his whole demeanor toward God was wrong. In fact, he was trying to defend God, and God needed no defense. What we have this morning is his own testimony, the testimony of his Damascus Road experience. And we look at that this morning because I believe that there are many folks in the church who need a Damascus Road experience of their own. So if you were to have one, what would it look like in your life? Well, number one, it will be not something you plan for or even pray for. It will be something that happens to you in keeping with God's purpose for you. This couldn't. This was not something that would have ever entered into his imagination that would have happened. He was not interested in this happening to him. He was not interested in becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, only persecuting those who were followers of Jesus Christ. And if you go back to Acts chapter 9, where it all happened, Acts chapter 9 tells of the event itself. It says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly, suddenly, unexpectedly, in the course of the journey of his life, something was happening to him that he had never known before. He was being dealt with without ever looking for it or expecting it. Listen, you don't shop for salvation like you shop for a car. You don't kick the tires, look under the hood, take it for a test drive, drive a few more like it, look at the sticker and go home and think about it. In fact, this Damascus Road, Paul later said, I was apprehended. It was as if the car shut himself up inside it and he could do nothing about it. He was captured by the Lord Jesus Christ on this Damascus Road, not having time to think about it, not having time to consider it. It happened, and it happened suddenly. So first, it'll be something you're not planning for or expecting. It'll be something that happens to you in keeping with God's purpose. Number two, it'll be personal. What do I mean by that? Well, it'll be no longer something that you can talk about from a general perspective, uh, historically or religiously or scientifically, as if we say, uh, when, when a person is saved, that's generality. When Peter was saved, when Paul was saved, when John was saved, when this one was saved or that one was saved, when Billy Graham was saved, because you're not talking about something that happens to somebody else, you're talking about something that happens to you. And if it hasn't happened to you, it, needed, it needs to. So on this day, as this man Saul made his journey, he was a man with plans. He had an agenda of his own. And then suddenly he's confronted by an agenda outside himself. He is personally confronted. Before, he had an opinion and judgment about Christ and Christianity. And then suddenly he finds the Lord Jesus Christ confronting him. And it's no longer important what Saul's opinion about Jesus is. But it becomes altogether important what the Lord's opinion about Saul is he is. So here he is, this Jesus he hated, this Jesus he opposed, this Jesus he doubted. That same Jesus confronted him, calling his name. And in a moment of time, the tables were turned. Before it was something he heard about, had an opinion about, but here it happened to him. So I would ask you this morning, has it 
happened to you. And if it hasn't happened to you, it needs to. First, it'll be something that you don't plan for, something unexpected, something that happens to you in keeping with God's purpose. And number two, it'll be personal. Third, it is an experience that will bring conviction of sin. Looking again at Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, and Saul said, he told King Agrippa, although it's not recorded here, he said, I heard him saying it to me in the Hebrew dialect. People spoke a lot of different languages around there during that day. But he said, he said it to me in my own language, in my own heart language, in the, in the language of my birth, in the language of my prayers. He said to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? What was this thing that was happening? First, there was this light from heaven, and it was from heaven. There was no question as to its source. It took his breath and his strength. He fell to the earth, and then he was questioned. Now, did Saul know God? Well, he thought he did. A lot of people in the church think they know God. They know the stories. Saul knew the stories. He had a theology. He knew some things about God. But here in this, in this experience, he discovered that God knew him, knew all about him, knew where he was going, knew his intentions, knew the people he had hurt and the people he intended to hurt. Saul also knew about sin. And he could talk about sin just as you and I can talk about sin. He talked about sin in generalities. He could say all of us have sinned. Every man's a sinner. You can say that. You acknowledge that. Nobody will disagree with that. All of us have sinned. But conviction of sin comes in that moment when I see that my sin, whatever it is and whatever I've done, is more than human failure. It's a pitchfork that I personally have stuck into the heart of God. My sin is personal to God. My resistance to God and the things of God is personal to God. But nothing is more personal to God than my own rejection of Jesus Christ. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? You're going to be reading in the next 40 days about David in that moment in his life when he said, Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done that which is evil in thy sight. And Saul is here before the Lord thinking as the Lord says, Why are you persecuting me? And he says to himself, Am I? I am persecuting you. I have hurt you. I have pierced you with my transgressions. I have bruised you with my iniquities. That is true today, whoever we are. Our sin is not just an affront to God. It pierces him and it hurts him. Now we have a lot of folks in the church who are admirers of God. They admire God. They think highly of God, whoever he is, although they may not have experienced him themselves. They think highly of the Bible. They admire the stories in the scripture. Paul was all of that. But there came a moment when he was, he was no longer the observer, the one casting his opinion about God. He was the one under the microscope. He was the one under investigation. He was interrupted. He was confronted. It was personal. And he was being confronted about his personal sin. That's the way it is in a Damascus Road experience. God makes his case against you, against you personally, about the things that you've done. And you look at Saul's life, you can see fairly clearly that he's in the wrong. You can see that as he, as he seeks out 
the saints and locks them up or puts them to death or persecutes them. He was even there when Stephen was stoned. He said, I was holding their coats, watching, approving. Please, you see how wrong it was. But Saul had never once, never once seen it as wrong until this day when confronted by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. I illustrated today, and a lot of men have since confessed that they too have been guilty. Two boys can stand outside a building like this one out by the church with old broken windows, and they see that they're in a pile of gravel in a gravel bed, and they pick up a few rocks and they practice their pitching. And they say, I can break out a couple of those old broken windows, and they begin to break windows. And then they get a little carried away. And even the windows that are not broken, those two boys begin to break all of those windows. And about that time, the man who owns the building drives up. And before, it was just an old abandoned building, and there was nothing wrong with what they were doing. And all of a sudden, the owner of the building is there, and there they are, rocks in hand, and they are guilty. In a Damascus Road experience, you find yourself confronted by the owner of your soul and standing guilty before him. Saul said, the Bible says, he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go to the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So several things, several characteristics. First, it will not be something that you expect, not something you plan for, not something you're looking for, perhaps even praying for. It will be something that happens to you in keeping with God's purpose. Second, it will be personal. Third, it will bring conviction of sin. And fourth, it will leave you shaken. Because you see the words here in the book of Acts that, that Saul of Tarsus, he was trembling and astonished. In the Bible, you will find that every time a person has a genuine encounter with God, that person is left trembling and astonished. Old Testament, New Testament. Last Sunday night I shared with those of you who listened online about Felix. As Paul uh, talked with Felix, Felix brought his wife Drusilla to have a meeting with Saul about faith in Christ. And as Paul talked with Felix about righteousness and sin and judgment, the Bible says that Felix trembled. When a person has an encounter with God, there is no glory dance. There is an immediate sense of being smitten with terror. And so Paul said, trembling and astonished. You know what it is to be afraid? The most frightened I have ever been, I suppose, is when I was uh, one of those little rock-throwing boys. When I was in the third grade, I was standing in the safest place in the schoolyard, right in front of the principal's office. And I was throwing rocks, and I could throw rocks good. And I was trying to throw them all the way to the road, never getting them there, but I was throwing them a long way. I wasn't throwing rocks at anybody. I wouldn't have hit anybody for anything in the whole wide world. I never kicked anyone at school when they chased them. Like my wife kicked me one day when we were in the second grade. She was my valentine, by the way, in school. I always gave her the one that said, love. She finally got the message. But that day, I was in the third grade, I was throwing rocks, and one bounced up and hit Ronnie Adams in the head. 
and he had a goose egg knot on his head. And my third grade teacher, we had third grade teacher and a second grade teacher, and they were both named Miss Smith, and we differentiated them by a name we had. One was Big Miss Smith, and one was Little Miss Smith. Well, Big Miss Smith took me to my room and sat me down, and in a few minutes, the principal came to the office, Mr. Percy McDonald, and he looked at me, and he said, I believe we're going to have to send this boy to reform school. My life flashed before my eyes. I lived right across the road from the school. Some days I got to walk home to eat lunch. Some of you remember those days when kids could do that. And now he was going to send me away to reform school, somebody who had authority over my life. I was guilty. I was convicted and trembling and astonished. As a little eight-year-old boy, I knew what that felt like. We're talking about Saul finding himself in the presence of Christ. And there he finds that the rocks of his own sin had hit Christ and hurt Christ. And what could he do? Nothing but surrender. Is that the point where you find yourself today interrupted, confronted by the very person of God, convicted, desperate, trembling? What must I do? Finally, a Damascus Road experience will demand your immediate attention to what God has shown you. In that moment, it will become intensely personal. There is something for me to do. God intends for me to respond. This moment is about me and God and his will for my life. Back to the 26th chapter of Acts, Paul's talking with King Agrippa, sharing with him his story about what happened. And he said, the Lord said, get up and stand on your feet. For this purpose I have appeared to you, to appoint you a minister and a witness not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you, rescuing you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. So King Agrippa... Paul says, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. In that moment, a man either responds to God and becomes the man that God wants him to be or resists God's message, resists God's mission for his life. He goes on with his life, but he will spend the rest of his life pursuing his own priorities and his own passion and forever missing the purpose that God had for his life. And for Saul, that would have included heaven. Why would he have missed heaven? Because he was lost. He knew where he was going, but he was lost. The light, when the light shined on him from heaven, that was his moment. The Lord Jesus was speaking. And so what everybody has to consider is, is it your moment? Is it the moment that God is speaking to you? Is he telling you how you have failed him and how you personally have hurt him and what you need to do in response. Paul, from that moment, became a man after God's heart. It shaped the rest of his life, but it happened in a Damascus Road experience where he encountered God and the priorities and the passions of his life were forever changed. Has it happened? 